This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. So good to have you back here for another edition of the Clay Young Show. I always enjoy the feedback we get from so many of you, either via email or social media, and we're receiving more requests to have people come on to the show to talk about things happening in and around Louisiana and in other places as well, and we appreciate that. We'll try to work you in. As always, you can email me here at the site, clay at podcast225.com, clay at podcast225.com. You can also message me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR. Don't forget, Sunday, May 21st is the fourth annual Smoke em If You Got em fundraiser at Ben 77 Bistro in Perkins Row in Baton Rouge. This year again, benefiting the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation And we've got a lot more information about that coming up, but I want to keep reminding you so that you can plug it into your phone or calendar or whatever right now, because the event this year, I think, is going to be even better than last year. In fact, we're starting an hour earlier. We've got some things that we will be featuring at this year's event that are a little bit different. Some things with the food are going to be a little bit different. Some things entertainment-wise are going to be a little bit different. We're just crossing our fingers, crossing our toes, crossing our legs, hell, crossing our eyes and hoping, hoping the weather cooperates with us on May, May 21st. Before then, the Capital Area Law Enforcement Foundation is having a golf tournament at Santa Maria in Baton Rouge. And I am likely to get one of the people on from Calif to come and talk about the golf tournament give you guys an update on what we've been doing in the last few months and hopefully get you involved. Man, there's going to be an event the night before. The golf tournament is on Monday, May 1st. And on the last day of April, we're having an event that evening at Sullivan's Steakhouse in Baton Rouge. So shaping up for the summer. And man, that's that's actually the week before what I consider the official kickoff of the summer season, the Kentucky Derby. Love me some Kentucky Derby. Tell you, no, I won't go there. Let's just say I love the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) Now, on today's show, our guest in studio will be Stephanie Regal of the Baton Rouge Business Report. Stephanie wrote a piece a week ago as I sit to record this open called The Futility of Community Dialogue. The Futility of Community Dialogue. And I encourage you to go and read the piece for yourself so that you may gain your own interpretation of what she was attempting to express in that piece. I can tell you just in a brief sum up there, she talks about the year that is ahead in the aftermath of what took place starting on 5th July of last year and what we are awaiting even now. And in the center of what she is talking about is the issue of race in Baton Rouge and some of the dialogues that are going on about race. And she makes the case that the discussions on race cannot be effective or truly transformative unless they are all-encompassing. And the part that she is 
attempting to say has not been included are things like fatherless or children, you know, fathers not being in the home, the teen birth rate, and so on. Directly after the piece dropped, there was a rebuttal to her piece by Christopher Tyson, who is a law professor, and his is titled The Futility of Facts, The Futility of Facts, A Response to Stephanie Regal. I know them both. I know them both to be passionate about their positions. They're both very, very smart people. Uh, I am going to attempt to get Chris to come on to to respond to what Stephanie says, or, or to even better, to not make this a back and forth, to have Chris get an opportunity to expound upon some of the cases or points that he made in his piece responding to Stephanie's piece. I've known Stephanie Regal a long time, and she initiated this with her piece, and I wanted her to come on here and tell you what she was attempting to say. Uh, In the interest of full disclosure, and you, I'm sure, will hear me say this in talking with her, I do not believe Stephanie is a racist, okay? That's not something I believe. And I do think it is possible for people to disagree without it becoming name-calling or or something of that nature. Now, Chris didn't do that, and he didn't call her a racist. He does speak to the belief system that he has a problem with, and you can read his piece for yourself to come to your own conclusion. And again, I will see if he is interested in coming into the studio here and talking more about that, but I've known Stephanie a while, and... I don't think she's a racist. And so I hope that even when we talk about something as passionate in nature as issues of race, that we can keep the level high. Chris's piece is very, very well written. Some will agree with what he said. Some will disagree, such as the same with Stephanie's piece. I will tell you the business report was not shy about having differing opinions being presented and I applaud them for that and so with that we'll take a quick break and come back and talk with Stephanie Regal here on the Clay Young Show. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on the Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. 
We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Stephanie Regal, who is the executive editor of... Executive. executive, Well, I think of you as the executive (laughs) editor. What the hell does Rolf do? Uh, Of the Baton Rouge Business Report. And she's a longtime journalist, having worked in television in New Orleans before coming up to Baton Rouge and having done so many things here. She also hosts her own podcast, which is called... Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch. Uh... I was a guest on Out to Lunch some months ago and truly enjoyed. Cyril Vetter and I were both on uh, together and we we had a great time. So we're talking today because you wrote a piece as we record this show a week ago called The Futility of Community Dialogue. And it talked about some of the many things that Baton Rouge has to address in the aftermath of both a tumultuous summer and a destructive weather event at the back end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And the center point or the centerpiece of what you lay out here deals with race. Yes. And I'd like to ask you to explain for the audience, for those who have not read it, and I encourage people to go read it for yourself for full context. Lay out to me the case you, you were attempting to make. And, and before I do that, I think, I, you know, I wish that I had suggested as a headline or that someone else had thought of it during the editing process. I think I should have said the frustration with community dialogue because okay. I don't, you know, maybe it overstates the case or it's too pessimistic to say that it's useless or right. futile to have a community dialogue. But there are so many frustrations with the process. Okay. And my premise or my thesis was that basically we can't have these dialogues or we can't have effective dialogues because there are certain things that it's just not permissible okay. to say. And it was based on some experiences that I have had covering these dialogues mm-hmm. and participating on a panel specifically at one of them where I thought I was going to be there to talk about economic development. I mean, I had really no other business to be there than to talk about what the business community was doing to try to address some of the economic disparities in the community and what they're focusing efforts on in the wake of the events you mentioned last summer. And the whole thing just turned out to be one big long wine fest about what the bad police officers are doing wrong to prey on poor black men. And of course there are issues with police brutality. I mean, we don't even need to to go over that, but this was, it was a one-sided dialogue and I felt like it was such a complete waste of time. And so it was born of that frustration, you know, that I wrote the column and, um, and I think there were a lot of good points in it. I would agree. I think, um, where I where I went on in some in some shaky territory, yeah. some slippery slope, I guess, and yep. I knew that this would potentially be a problem. And it was was when I specifically talked about some of the issues that we're not allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned absentee fathers and yeah. high teen pregnancy rates. Expound upon that. Well, I mean, these are issues. Well, yes, they are, that, but yes. expound upon what you were. At- what you wanted the reader to glean from what you had written. Well, that these that these are problems that we're not allowed to talk about mm-hmm. because if you bring them up, then you are perceived as being racist. And yeah. that was exactly what happened. And <laughs> we printed a very eloquently written response yeah. from Chris Tyson yes. that ran two days later after the column. Yeah. Um, in which he accused me of trotting out tired racial stereotypes that he said have been disproven by all sorts of empirical data that he cited um, 
specifically and most notably this CDC study that came out in 2013, um, but talked about how, I mean, he really extrapolated, I think, a lot from my column that wasn't there mm -hmm. and basically accused me of being a racist and lots of other people jumped up and, you know, said how offended they were by what I had written. How'd you really feel about proving that? my point? Well, I mean, I was, I never really want to offend anybody. Right. I mean, I know that it's an occupational hazard. Yeah. Um, how I felt was, you know, it was a little bit ironic because just a couple of months ago, I tore up, you know, Trump and Trump supporters in one particular column, and I was the darling of many on the left in Baton Rouge who applauded me for standing up and saying these things. And yeah. all of a sudden, they were the ones that were um, most offended on Facebook. Right. So I felt. Um, well, you know, and, and part of the of the piece, uh, there have been concerted and heartfelt efforts to prepare for this moment, talking about the aftermath and, and the decision that's coming down by trying to bring the community together through conversations, quote unquote, and dialogues, quote unquote. We've all spoken and written of the need for these symbolic public kumbayas. We take it as a given that this is the first step toward addressing the racial issues that are at the heart of the problem and toward healing. But as well intended as these gatherings usually are, I question how much they really accomplish and whether, in fact, they are the most effective way to quote unquote move forward. A dialogue has to be a two-way exchange. Unfortunately, in these forums, it is only permissible to articulate one side of the narrative, namely that police unfairly target black men because officers are poorly trained and racially biased, which is indicative of the greater prejudice that exists within society as a whole. It is a powerful narrative, and there are, without question, many elements of the, of the truth to it. It is a problem and one that has been widely acknowledged. But that's not the entire story. And in these community conversations and dialogues, there are all sorts of issues and subjects that are not acceptable to bring up. It's not okay to discuss the teenage birth rates that condemn so many young people and their offspring to, to lives of generational poverty. It's not okay to talk about absentee fathers. It's not okay to talk about the underlying issues that cause crime to be so high in low-income neighborhoods in the first place. And, and clearly, I mean, that was proven true by the response that that column generated. So... And, and you know, so one point that, that Tyson brought up in his response that I, that I thought was, was very interesting was that he cited some statistics or some data to, to show that these types of issues, absentee fathers or teen pregnancy rates, are not the cause of intergenerational poverty, but the result of systemic racism over over the centuries, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, my question would be, at this point, what does it matter? It's still a problem that has to be addressed. And and maybe he's, maybe he's right. I mean, you know, that wasn't the point of what I was trying sure. to argue in my column at all. And I'm not saying I disagree with that, but we know that at this point, the problem does exist, whatever the causes. And if we want to have a separate conversation about the causes, maybe we can do that. To what yeah. end, I don't know. But let's take it moving forward. I mean, we have to do something, and it's something that we have to talk about, you know? I, I agree, and I think you can't ignore some of these things that are happening in the inner city. And they don't just happen in the inner city, but by and large, 
in black communities, these are issues that have mm-hmm. to be addressed. I don't think, though, every person in the inner city or every person who is poor comes from, and I know you don't make this case, comes from a broken household or uh, or is going to be a teenager or has been a teen parent just because they have been poor. I do think statistically you can find that these are bigger problems in inner city communities or in minority communities. To me, shutting down a part of a dialogue is not dialogue. Right. And I, and, and I think in, and you know, Chris is a smart guy. He's a law professor and he's got a right to his opinion, just as you have a right to your position based upon what you've written. I just think nowadays, and this is one person's opinion, it's that we can't have dialogue without no. it degrading into shouting or name calling. I mean, it is okay to disagree. Yes. It is okay for perspectives to be perpendicular and still walk away being okay. But now we go from zero to nuclear when we disagree. A part and, and, and that was, I mean, and that was really, that was really the purpose of, of the column. And that's what I was trying to Were you to trying say. to start a dialogue? Well, I mean, I think in a way I was. I mean, I knew it would generate some um, some response. Mm-hmm. And, and I was concerned, quite honestly, that people would perceive me as being a racist. It was, it was weighing on me in the back of my mind. Yeah. And, and it was funny because after it came out, the Internet did not blow up. And yeah. the comment box did not really blow up. In yeah. fact, I got a couple of calls. I got several calls from people who said, I, I really agree with it. Thanks for having the courage to say that. And then after Chris's response was published, <laughs> then things did blow up, and all of a sudden everybody came out of the woodwork. And, well, and a, a part of what Chris wrote in response to what Stephanie wrote, and you can read his full column at Business Report, and I'm sure the traffic there is already high, but I'm sure this probably doesn't hurt a whole lot. He said, sadly, far too many agree with Regal's deductions. They view them as a set of hard truths that political correctness has relegated to the margins of debate. The belief that individual choices are the primary drivers of persistent intergenerational black poverty is nothing new. It has its origins in the, quote, culture of poverty, end quote, thesis. Many white and black view communities as merely a concentration of people who are culturally and biologically predisposed to making poor life's choices. The idea of black communities as sites of math, mass pathology predates emancipation. Despite having built the nation for free, formerly enslaved black people were widely regarded as inherently criminal, immoral, and lazy. But, okay, so as I said a few minutes ago, I mean... I, I agree with the first part of a sentence that sadly many, not sadly, but that many people do agree with me and that they feel like those issues, you know, have are off the table because of political correctness. And I mm-hmm. think that's absolutely right. That's not to say that that the other points he makes, I mean, that, that I disagree with the other well, points. Well, the, the, the racial made. history I mean, of America cannot be do. debated. Yeah. I mean, what happened, what happened happened in that, in the period of slavery absolutely happened. What happened in, you know, through the first 65, you know, 70 years of this last century, you cannot debate some of those things. It's in the books. Correct. And as we move forward, the question is for me, at least for one person is how do we improve this reality 
for people. Right. And there are people much smarter than I am who ply their trade at that cause every day. Mm -hmm. And I do think for a dialogue purpose, we have to be able to talk about the things that are both working well and what is broken. And I think it's, it's, again, it shouldn't become name calling. Like, okay, I do not believe at all, not an ounce that you are a racist. So I want to move past that. I'm not going to spend a whole lime, a lot of time talking about that. And to be fair, I don't. It, Chris makes the case that it is that form of thinking. I don't believe that he specifically calls you a racist in the piece. Well, he doesn't. Yeah. So for I mean, people, it's sort of maybe an implication. Well, about the mindset, but but he does not do that. He does not say she's a racist. Yeah. The response from people, though, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of people respond and carry forward this debate using you as a launching point for different arguments. So two questions. One, how'd you feel about that? And two, what were your reflections on other people responding responding to what Chris wrote? Well, those are good questions. I'll I'll, I'll think about that. But but while I'm doing that, I think it's important to to say that, um, you know, even if people do wrongly hold this myth of, you know, poverty that he talks about or these prejudices that go back years, even if they're dead wrong, they still have that perception. And that perception for them is a reality. And that's one reason that very much we have to talk about. What what do you mean? I mean, what I mean is I didn't, I mean, I don't think that poor life choices necessarily are why, there is, you know, intergenerational poverty necessarily. I mean, you know, um, I would probably side with Chris in many ways and argue that that it has been systemic racism over centuries that has caused the problems that we have today. What I'm saying is we still have to deal with the reality of how people are living today. Yeah. And... And there has to be an, an assumption of some responsibility for the consequences sure. of that, and that we have to talk about that as we try to address the problems. And in hearing from the people who have come out in support of what I wrote, I mean, they very much feel that way too. And I don't know where their prejudices do or do not lie. But what about the criticisms? I mean, Mike Polito was was one of the people who commented about this and shared it, and I've seen others as well. And many people make the case basically that some white people just have to let go of old ways of thinking about this and adopt a new way of, of, of viewing these issues. I mean, that's, that is the subtext Mm -hmm. to a lot of what is said that you can't understand because you're white. Right. And I do think that there is some truth to that as it relates to some things, some cultural things that quite frankly, I, I cannot relate to some of the cultural issues that have been passed down through generations for someone of the Jewish faith or someone who mm-hmm. is Jewish. Okay. However, I, I do think that it's going to take all kinds of people addressing what's happening in the inner city for it to get better. And that means people of all races, 
giving a crap and then saying, let me grab a shovel too and start digging so we can fix this. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. What about the response from people who say, who say basically you you couldn't understand what you're talking about? I think, I mean, as you say, I think that's true to an extent. I mean, there certainly, there are things that I'm never going to understand, but, um, I'm not talking about cultural expressions, right? You know, I'm not talking about um, the fact, that, you know, of what it looks like how somebody dresses or where the, wears their hair, mm-hmm. and maybe a white person doesn't understand how that's a, a cultural expression. Maybe we, you know, but I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'm, right. I'm talking about problems that we have in the inner city that need to be addressed, that are that are making the existing problems worse, whatever their causes were. I stopped reading comments after a point because it just gets to be very... Um, Repetitive? It gets to be very, yeah, and very un, unproductive. I mean, because I think so many people who comment, I mean, I think I much prefer when somebody sends me an email or when somebody picks up the phone and calls and I take what they say yeah. um, to heart much more than when somebody responds, particularly anonymously, yeah. on a website because if they have time to sit around and respond or tossing on a website at or you. tossing invectives, yeah. then that's not very productive. But, yeah. you know, one of the women in particular, and I won't say her name, but she responded to a so-called friend on Facebook who said how offended she had been by it. And this woman wrote back, oh, I was too. I was so offended. I mean, this woman is a huge Trump supporter. Huge Trump supporter and a big Tea Party ite. So I mean, offended by have, your offended by my comment. Well, what does that right. mean that so, she's a Trump supporter? Yeah, well, I mean that means does that, that does that mean she's racist because yeah, she's a Trump? Yeah, I mean I think so. I really <laughs> you do. really think I so? I really do. <laughs> I mean, somebody who's going to be an ardent Trump supporter and and who and, and and a big Tea Party. I mean, don't tell me about how much compassion you have for inner city kids, please. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I'm, you swung from the heels on that one, right? <laughs> so. Uh, have you spoken to Chris since since all of this no, happened? Honestly, we don't know each other personally. You know, he but is, we really do. I mean, in the business report, whatever misconceptions may exist to the contrary, we welcome diverse perspectives. Oh, no and question. We you put it in the magazine. glad that he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and because he is so well-respected, yeah. uh, we we let we ran a, a guest column. I mean, um, we, we would have run a letter to the editor anyway sure, from sure. anybody, but... Just knowing how well respected he is, and he made a very valid point. We well, thought he was worth it was worth putting a guest column online and and let people disagree. You know, <laughs> you're probably going to get a response to your Trump supporter comment from somebody <laughs> who's going to send in an article. Great. But you know, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris believes what he believes, and he and he's dug in on his positions. And you know, quite frankly, that doesn't that shouldn't bother anybody. I think you have a right to your position. He has a right to his, your perspective and his perspective. You both have a right to it. I, I think Chris is speaking to, in my opinion, a, a greater attitude about what has caused some of what's going on in the inner city. I think in, from your perspective, I'm just going to put it out there. I do believe there has to be a discussion about some of the crime some of the behavior of younger people and in many ways for kids, I can hardly hold it against them or blame them. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, having volunteered in schools and in groups with some of these children. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I went to speak to kids in Pointe P and then later that day in Plaquemines Parish. These kids deserve an opportunity to live out their dreams just like anyone else, but they've got environmental things at home that make it tougher for them. And so to break this cycle, I do think there needs to be a dialogue that includes every aspect of what's going on. And 
I don't often know that that's the case because there are people who just will shout you down if they disagree with you. I quite frankly don't think showing up to some of these town hall meetings that uh, congressional members are having and shouting them down and not having a dialogue is productive. No, I agree. Show up and disagree. Bring your, your, your stats and everything to tell them how you disagree. But turning the whole thing into a spectacle kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so I think the fact that this subject matter, I, look, your piece was very eloquently written. So was Chris's. And I think that people can choose to agree or disagree with either of you of their own volition. I just didn't care for the characterization of you as a racist. Well, I and mean, again, I, I, like I said, I didn't get that far down in the comments. <laughs> After the first few, I knew which way it was going. So, well, I, but, but and I mean, I do think we both make good points and they're not necessary. You know, it, I think he extrapolated some things from my column and that I wasn't necessarily saying. Right. And, um, I don't even think that it would have come up if I hadn't mentioned those two specific issues that I, I said think we can't talk about. I mean, if I had just left it at that um, and not mentioned absentee fathers sure. and teen birth rates, I don't think we, there would have been a Chris Tyson column. And, and and so, I mean, it was it was risky, you know, and if well, I had to do it over again, I don't you? know. I don't I don't know, honestly, because I don't know that this is totally played out yet. Um, if I felt like good dialogue could come from this maybe it will uh, maybe it will then then it would be a good thing if not it, not if everybody it just serves to make make people mad and stir yeah. people up and you know make nasty comments on facebook well, and on, on social the media then. is not exactly a barometer of intellect i mean no, it, and it's it, not it, conducive necessarily no. to and and i think that there may be people who disagree on the premise but don't disagree with your right to say it and I think that there are some people who may agree with you wholeheartedly but be afraid to say so because of whatever blowback they'd get from doing so and that's a shame mm-hmm. so I, I it, it the way this thing spins now with race it is becoming the biggest albatross around the neck of society and I think Having discussions about it is a productive and it's a good thing because I do think we need to know each other better, understand each other better, respect each other better. But when it degrades into name calling, uh, you know, there are racists in society. Yeah. But we should only relegate that title to people who actually are. I agree. Because I think it cheapens the word when you just use it without impunity on people who don't necessarily deserve it. I have no problem with Chris disagreeing with you if he wants to do that that's his right and again i want to make it clear i don't believe chris was calling you a racist i think he's talking about a belief system now i'll reach out to him and see if he wants to come on here and he might come on and say yeah clay she's the biggest racist i've ever met and then i'll disagree with him thank you (laughs) i'm glad you have my back well you know just uh, i'll tell the truth about that because there are some people uh that i have known uh, who are And uh, I just think, yeah, when they are, they got to wear it. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind calling them out on it. But when it isn't the case, I just think we got to be careful. And everybody should read what you wrote and then read what Chris wrote and judge for themselves. And allow you and he to have differing perspectives on something without it becoming schoolyard. Yeah. And I mean, they're different perspectives, but I do think they're they're looking at the, I mean, they're coming from slightly different Um, They're looking at slightly different 
angles yeah. of it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not a, and he said, she said, an apples to oranges kind of thing. I mean, he the, took he took my comment and said, it's attitudes like this, that, blah, 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 you know, and, and took it off from there. Oh, he and, took you to the woodshed and the piece pretty yes, good. But yeah. so, so I'll ask us. And, but and, I mean, and, t- and he also states a lot of statistics and that, you know, I'm sorry, but you can use empirical data all sorts of ways to prove <laughs> things one way or the other. Let me ask, do you think we will get to a place where we can have these kinds of dialogues with differing opinions and it remains civil? Maybe they go on and I don't know about it, but do you think we can? Specifically on things like race and religion. You know, I mean, it seems to work much better in in small groups one-on-one. I mean, you know, when you look around the community and you think about the people you interact with every day and the people you know that are doing volunteer work in places where you don't even realize they are, the people who work side by side and in a work environment. I mean, there seems to me to be so much less racism and prejudice, you know, in those instances, but it's when people start talking globally and when they start yeah. having dialogues or yeah. weighing in on issues, all of a sudden their their prejudices come out and, and all yeah. of a sudden their vitriol or their polar polarization, you know, is so apparent. You yeah. don't, I mean, every once in a while, yeah, you encounter a racist, just like you encounter a jerk or a sexist or anything yep, else. Yep, yep. But by and large, it, it seems to, I don't, I'm not, I don't know, it seems to exist more when we try to have these big dialogues and debates than just like, yeah. when people go about and, and, and live their lives. Yeah, I think that there are people on both sides who are working to improve things. If you just see some of the kids who volunteer in inner city communities and you see some of the talent coming out of inner city communities, there are so many positives there. There are leaders Absolutely. in the inner city community who, who, you know, fathers who at the end of work every day are volunteering as coaches or in schools as the no dad question. security team. That's all there. And I think that it's one of those things that we should talk more about as well. But I'm hoping we can grow up a little bit when it comes to these kinds of discussions. And not to say that you and Chris weren't. I don't, I'm not throwing that out there. Just when you see some of the comments yeah. that chase, it's like, yeah, you guys are not really doing either side much of a favor with some of the stuff that's said. So what what are you working on next? Looking at <laughs> on a totally different topic, the uh, the CPRA. They're working on their their master plan and also um, an annual plan, which is basically like their budget of expenditures for Mm -hmm. the next year. And now that we finally have money coming in, serious money coming in from the BP settlement, um, how and when it's getting spent, I think there's a lot of frustration from the engineering community that it seems to take so long to get these projects shovel ready right um but it does take a long time because we're talking major projects and major permitting issues and delays and land rights acquisitions and so it's interesting to see kind of where the state is on that a lot of people working really hard to get things moving and and a lot of anxious companies ready to to jump in and and start building marshes to the extent that that it's going to do any good you know this year will require the greatest amount of leadership from our leaders, I believe. No question. There's a lot going on right now. Big year for Louisiana. And with the decision that's that's hanging out there, and you know, I heard some scuttle last week that it could be 2018 before, it, before we I know. I heard today that it might be a while as well. And so I don't know that, that's, that that is in our best interest, but you know, what can you do? Yeah. Well, Stephanie, how can people follow you uh, on social media, wherever, if they want to keep up with you? Yeah, on, on the business report, business report, um, on my Facebook page, and on my business report Facebook page. 
Listen, she doesn't back and on Twitter. And on Twitter. Stephanie's on Twitter. She does not back down. She stands her ground, and I appreciate that. Thank you for coming in here. Thank you. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows, and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website, and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 three mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. There you have it. Enjoyed the conversation with Stephanie Regal. <laughs> that shot about Trump followers is bound to get a response one way or the other. All right, folks, thank you so much for being a guest on this week's show. On our next program, we will talk with some men who are helping families with disabled children. It is a fascinating subject, one that I was only recently made aware of. And it is something that I think we should all think about because what they do is even more, it's, it's more multifaceted than just that particular thing. And they will be guests on next week's edition of The Clay Young Show. Don't forget, again, mark your calendars Sunday, May 21st for the fourth annual Smoke em If You Got em fundraiser at Ben 77 Bistro here in Baton Rouge. It is presented again by Orion Instruments. And I want to see your face in that place. All right? All right. Until next time, you guys have a great one. And we'll catch you here on Podcast 225. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.